42 through 44. Are we ready? Matthew 24, 42 through 44. You'll need to stay in Matthew 24. I have all the other scripture for you this morning. But every time we come back to chapter 24, we'll be looking back at God's word. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know on what day your Lord is coming. But know this, if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you also must be ready. Therefore, you also must be ready. For the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Lord, if there be one here this morning that's not ready for death or the imminent and sudden return of Christ, I pray that this morning you would grant them repentance, that you would grant them belief and trust and confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ, Him and His life, His death, His broken body, His shed blood, His resurrection and His righteousness for their salvation. We pray that you'd grant that today to those who need it. Lord, we love you, we praise you, and it's in Jesus' name that we do. Amen. We are to live righteous lives motivated by our continual expectation of His imminent and sudden return. That's what we ought to get up thanking the Lord for, that we made it through another night and He didn't come. Granting, asking Him to grant us grace to live this day for His honor and glory, going to bed with every expectation that tonight might be the night. I think that'll keep us ready. We've looked at what we should be doing. Waiting, looking, anticipating, expecting His sudden return. So today, are we ready? Oh, I pray so much that God would open minds and, and take away distractions this morning that we might hear this message and do with it what we see fit to do. So this morning, I want to talk to you about, uh, can you believe that God gave me an acrostic? Not often does He give me an acrostic. A lot of preachers are good at acrostics. Harold's one of them. And by the way, when I was thinking about this message, uh, I remembered the message that he preached on January the 22nd here. Uh, he, he talked about the Christian life. That was the scripture from Acts, the Christian life. And he had three B's. Anybody remember one of those? Just one. A new body. No? A new birth born again, and a new book. That was his three B's. Well, this morning, I've got the miles per hour sermon, okay? M-P-H. And uh, I, it just kind of worked out that way, and, and uh, I didn't have to look for the acrostic. It just happened to fit. So this morning, I, w- I want you to look this morning at some indicators as to whether or not you're ready. Indicators. The first of all, we will be a new man or a new woman. Did you hear that? A new man or a new woman. I think 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. First of all, a new man or a new woman. Secondly, we will have a new path. We'll be on a different road. We'll be on a different trail headed in a different direction. And, and lastly, we'll have a new home. I, I think we, oh, it's so hard to keep from being too focused on the home we have here and not focused enough on that home we'll have there. We have been, we have been 28 years in the same house. That's a long time. But we're going to spend eternity in a new house that the Lord's preparing for us. 
That's what our focus should be on, that new home. We have seen over and over in this passage in Matthew chapter 24 that we need to stay awake, we need to be watchful, and we need to be ready over and over and over. It's just the wise thing to do, would it not be? Because we do not know the day and hour of our death, nor the day and the hour of His coming, so the important thing is that we're always ready. It's what a Christian will be doing. It's, it's what a Christian will be thinking about. Eternity. Not just all the here and now. And I know that uh, all the noise, all the noise is about what? This life. And most people are pretty quiet about the eternal life. It is what anyone who will give serious thought, listen to me now carefully, thinking about death and eternity is what anyone who will give serious thought to what happens after death will do. If there's any understanding at all, and evolution blew this out of the water, and let me tell you, evolution is a theory, it's, it's untrue, there's nothing true about it at all, but evolution is the problem with this, that people think that we just die and are no more. That's how we came. We came about from evoluting from a, a micro whatever to who we are. And so the thought is that we're just going to die and that's it. Well, listen, they haven't read the Bible. There is an eternity for this soul. And anybody that would know that and understand that would have to give serious thought to being ready for eternity. And that's what I want to just pray that God might teach us this morning. If Jesus talks about the second coming, and any time he talks about the second coming, he most often uses the word stay awake, keep watch, and be ready. Now let me ask you, why would he put, listen, 28 chapters in the book of Matthew, two entire chapters are devoted to being ready. So there must be a reason he puts all of this emphasis upon being ready, being watchful for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why did he do that? He knows us. We get drowsy and we get sleepy and we get forgetful. So he wants to keep reminding us. He also knows that the devil will attempt to distract us always trying to distract us. He does that through the world. His world, Vanity Fair. Amen? Vanity Fair is one great distraction. I mean, when, you, when, when the eyes go open, okay, and the ears wake up, what's coming? The world. Just distractions are coming our way. And listen, Christ does not desire that any of us be ruined forever. So he's made a way that we can escape that ruin. Listen, true Christians, men, listen to me. If I can't motivate you to have a godly home and a godly family, let me motivate you to do this. Be a good watchman for your family. Be a, be a good master, be a good servant, be a good steward, and have the well-being of your own soul and the souls of your loved ones deep in your heart. Remember, remember he said about the wise servant, it will be good for that one who is watching and ready when the Lord comes back. It will be good. Well, what's the opposite of that? It'll be bad. 
And that's probably an understatement. So, these are the warnings. These are the warnings that we have in Scripture. And I'm going to read them deliberately slow so Pablo can keep up. Matthew 24, 9 through 14, if you want to follow along. Matthew 24, 9 through 14. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. And you'll be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Trouble is coming. Don't forget that. Trouble is coming. Verse 10, and then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. That's coming. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Y'all listen to me. That's here. That's here. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. That's here. Verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. There's a warning. Matthew 24, 30 and 31. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. Do you remember what the sign of the Son of Man is? Him on the cloud. That's the only reliable for sure sign. Him on the cloud. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Hallelujah. And he'll send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect and the four winds from one end of the heaven to the other. It's coming. Matthew 24, 32. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out leaves, you know that summer's near. Praise God, don't we, aren't we glad to know from the last couple of nights that fall is near? Summer's about gone. Well, just as certain as we can be sure of, of the, the fall coming, summer coming when the fig tree comes, there's some things that are happening that lets us know that the time is near. Verse 33, so also when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Oh, I, I, I just got to believe in his God come in the flesh mode that Jesus is sitting anxiously, ready to go, waiting to go. Verse 34, truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away. Listen, listen, folks. They can cancel it. They can make it illegal. But he says, but my words will not pass away. This is the absolute truth. It's the only truth that you can depend upon. This truth will not change. It will not fade away. It will not go. Verse 36, but concerning that day and hour for his return, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. Listen, quit listening to those predictions. That is distracting you from being about doing what the Lord left you to do while you're here. Verse 37. So as were the days of Noah, so will be the coming of Son of Man. For in those days before the flood they were eating and drinking Marrying and giving in marriage until the day when Noah entered the ark. Listen, those are the days time. I am troubled. I am distraught by the number of young people that I see so involved with alcohol that they can't do anything without alcohol. It is a evil, it is a family killer. Until the day Noah entered the ark. Woo, man, listen. Next Sunday, we're going to start looking at the wedding procession. We're going to begin to look at the parable of the virgins. We're going to find out the second time. It, I can't believe in all these years I'd missed it. You know, you remember the first time the Lord shut the door? When was it? Noah and the ark, okay. Well, in the wedding procession, there's the second time he shuts the door. And guess what? 
After he shuts the door, y'all tell me, you can't get in. So while the door, young people, while the door is open, you better step in. Into the kingdom of God, amen? Until the day Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware until the flood came and swept them all away, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. And two men will be in the field, one will be taken and one left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken and one left. So that's the warnings, that's the threats. Here's the instruction, right? It's pretty simple. Stay awake, for you do not know what day your Lord is coming. But know this, that if the master of the house had known in what part of the night the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not have let his house be broken into. Therefore, you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. There's our instruction. Be ready, be watching, be looking. So, this morning... Are we ready? Are we ready to enter eternity during the next breath? Or when we go to bed tonight and while we're asleep, are we ready for the return of Christ? So, in the next breath, the de- our death or return of Christ could happen. Are we ready? That's how ready we've got to be. So what I, what I tell you often, we talked about it in the godly home. I think this is something that ought to be discussed often in the godly home. What are those five things? You're going to what? You're going to be what? You're going to be buried. You're going to be resurrected. You're going to face God in judgment. You're going to spend an eternity somewhere. I'm convinced If you talk to your family about that on a regular basis, it's going to somewhere begin to work in their mind and in their heart. There's a reason we have to be ready. Because being ready determines whether or not we'll spend eternity in heaven or hell. This is what we have to be ready for. And, you know, being ready for that is really the only thing that really counts. (laughs) If we're not ready for that, whoop, everything else is out the window. So, am I a new man or a new woman? Now, only you can answer that. Now, if you're married to a woman for 52 years, she can probably answer that. Your preacher ought to be able to answer that. Paul, James, said, I need a little sign. You know, I ought to be able to stand in this pulpit when your casket's down here and say they were ready. Am I on a new path? Well, let me just tell you a little secret about that new path. You'll look around and there won't be many with you. Did y'all hear me? That path ain't crowded. That's about like the last mile going to Palisade Meadows. There ain't many around you. Okay? And thirdly, do I have a new home? So number one, am I a new man or a new woman? Listen to me carefully. John, I'm sorry, Jesus told Nicodemus plainly, you must be a new person. He told Nicodemus, you must be born again. This is the fact of the matter. I must be a new person. I remember that old person. Jeannie remembers that old person. And occasionally I remind her of that old person. But I'm a new person. 
I'm not who I was. That's not me anymore. I believe I read the 11th verse of chapter uh, 6 of 1 Corinthians. That's who I was. That's not me anymore. Now, you want to know who we were? Got some good scriptures to remind us who we were. Okay? Here we are, John 8, 42. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me. For I came from God, and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, and you will, your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Which of one of you convicts me of sin? If I tell you the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever of God hears the word of God, whoever is of God hears the words of God. This, the reason why you do not hear me is that you are not of God. That is, a, that is a tough passage to think that at one time the devil was my father is a tough pill to swallow. But that's what Jesus says. That's why, that's why as the stronger man, he had to go into the stronghold of the strong man, overpower him, bind him, and take me away from him because I had no desire to get out of there, and put me into his kingdom. That's who I was. Secondly, I was dead in my trespasses and sin. That's what the scripture says. Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, Following the course of this world, you want to know why, uh, why this was happening? Following the prince of the power of the air, he was our father. That's who we were following. The spirit that's now in work in the sons of disobedience. Listen to this. Among whom a few of us once lived? No, all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. We were like our Father, like the rest of mankind. That's what the Scripture says. That's what Jesus said. That's what Paul said. But praise God. Somebody say hallelujah, amen. But this is what God did. Amen? Look at Ephesians chapter 4. I'm sorry, chapter 2, verse 4. What are those first two words? But God. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. Did you hear, did you hear what he told Nicodemus? You must be born again. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him, and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I love that scripture, and I'm going to get there in a minute. It, it, it's, it's wonderful. I, I, wish I, I wish I had a scripture for every one of you in here. I, I can tell you when I come to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, I always think about Jan Marshall. Every time I come to Ephesians chapter 2 verse 6, I think about Donna Sage. Okay? Listen to what it says in verse 6. So he, by grace you've been saved, and look what he's done. He has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Hey, we're right here right now in this church, right? But he sees us already seated with God in the heavenlies. That's joyous stuff. Verse 7. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of grace and kindness towards us. Listen, you know what that's saying? 
so that we may be a testimony to those that come after us. For him, for what? Somebody said the prayer over there this morning. I know who it was. Somebody said a prayer over there. I want everything I do, and I know that you, everything that happens, we are to use it for your glory. Why did he do all this? Not because I deserved it. For his what? Glory. Y'all know what I deserved. Amen. You know what you deserved? Verse 8, for by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. That's pretty clear. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We're getting really close to that new path, aren't we? That we should walk in Him. So what in the world has happened? All I had in the past, all we had in the past, was those rules, those laws he gave us up on the mountain, right? All we had was that one rule in the garden. Remember, Adam didn't have ten, he just had one. Y'all tell me how those rules worked out. Huh? Not very good, did they? So God said, I'm going to do something different. I'm going to do something different. Here it is in Jeremiah 31, 31 through 33. Behold, the days are coming. Somebody say, hallelujah, praise the God. They are here. Those days are here. When I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant they, they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. That's the way it was in the past. For this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them. I like to say, I'll put my law in their mind. And I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God. And they shall be my people. And you know, all we can do with that is say, God, that's what I want. Now, who in the world would have a problem with telling God, that's what I want? It would have to be the proud man that wouldn't say, God, that's what I want. Why wouldn't you want that? Do you want the old way it was, keeping the law? Knowing how well we did, right? I mean, we got a real track record of keeping these laws. So, the bottom line for all of these scriptures is this. Are you a new man or a new woman? You know who you were. You know who your father was. You know what you were dead in. Have you been made into a new man or woman? And I will say this. I believe, without a doubt, it ought to be obvious to you. Amen? It ought to be obvious to your wife. It ought to be obvious to your children. Now, what would be a good indication of that? Well, I, won't t- I tell you, it's not perfection. It's quick to repentance. Because we're all going to be sinners, Amen? And it ought to be obvious to your church family. Number two, um, am I on a new path? Y'all know that path. Enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is, young people, get this now. For the gate is wide and the path is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. So, young people, all of us. Just look around if you want to. I would suggest you look around. And most people are on a wide, easy path that allows them to do anything they want to do. And they want no conviction. They want no shame. They just want to be left alone. That's the wrong path. That Every path leads somewhere. 
That one leads to the wrong place. I'm in verse 14 now. For the gate is... I mean, you may have to... <laughs> may have hard difficulty getting through it. Squeeze in, whatever the case may be. And the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So I would say it doesn't matter. I could just go around the room. You young people that are in school. I could just go around the room. You young people that are in school. And you think about it. You know which path most of your friends are on. Because it's obvious. They're living for the world, living for themselves, and not for God. I've already given you my Roman scripture. This is in the ESV here. I'll read it straight out of the ESV so you can follow. I'm speaking in human terms because of your natural limitations. We had natural, in this body, in the life that I was born into in the flesh, I had lots of limitations, amen? <clears throat> For just as you once presented your members as slaves to impurity and to lawlessness, leading to more lawlessness, so now present your members as slaves to righteousness, leading to sanctification. That's the two different paths. Once I was mindful of doing those evil things and now I am mindful to do those spiritual things. Second Peter three eleven through thirteen. We're talking about that new path. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, you know what it's talking about there. Everything that you have any concept of all, heaven and earth and everything in between. Do you hear what it said? Dissolved. Are you with me? Gone. Burn up. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved. <laughs> uh, we'll wake up one morning. We'll wake up there and all that stuff will be gone. What sort of people knowing that ought you to be in lives of, what's those two words? Holiness and godliness. That's what we're striving for. Aren't we glad we don't have to be perfect? Waiting for. Does that sound familiar? And hastening. You know what that means? Lord, come quickly. That's what Maranatha means. Lord, come quickly. Hastening. Don't, don't some days you just, you ready to leave here? You know, if you didn't get old and tired, you wouldn't won't ever, ever leave here. And some, sometimes things look so Desperate, you're just ready to leave here. But let me just remind you, I, I met a guy this week and he said, I'm just ready for the rapture. I said, so are we all. But we can't just sit around saying, oh, I wish you'd just come and rapture the church. No, we're to be here living lives of holiness and godliness, doing everything we can to advance his kingdom. Remember what he say? Just be doing what I left you to do. Waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of the Lord because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. You don't think it's going to be dissolved? You don't think it's not going to be by fire? But according to this promise... We are what? What's that word? Waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Oh, praise the Lord. What's in that new heaven and new earth? Righteousness. We're talking about that new path. How in the world can you stay on that new path? Look at Philippians 2.13. For it is God who what? Works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The, the, the little bit of good effort that I make, it ain't me. It's the Lord. Number three, do I have a new home? Hebrews 13, 14. For here we have no lasting city. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Any one of us, I pray that it doesn't happen, any one of us 
house could be gone when we got there. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek that city that is to come. That heavenly city. We'll all be, hey, there won't be a Los Angeles, and Lord help us, San Francisco and New York and Chicago and Detroit and New Orleans. There won't be any of those. There'll just be one city, a heavenly city. That's the one we're waiting for. Hebrews 11.10 For he, all of those saints of the past were looking forward to the city that has foundation, whose designer and builder is, that's the home we're looking for. Hey, listen, you can have, you can have, he's dead and gone. The Swopes are dead and gone. Swopes can be your house. Uh, the guy over at Murfreesboro, can't remember his name. The best builders in, in all the world can build your house. Let Joe Ledbetter. Uh, those, uh, those people can build your house, but one day it'll be gone. Hebrews eleven sixteen. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is a... Hey, the United States of America, just go look at our borders. It's so bad that everybody from all over the world are trying to get here. That's not the country we're talking about. Let me read that again. But as it is, they desire a better country. That is what kind of one? A heavenly country, one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He has prepared for them a what? Wow. Micah 2.10, arise and go, for this is no place to rest. Y'all know what that means? Methuselah. I bet by the time, he, Brother Bob, you think by the time Methuselah got to be 979, he was ready to go? Can you imagine that? Just imagine how wore out we can get in 72 years. No rest here. Somebody say amen. I mean... I get up in the morning thinking about when I can go to bed. I love that rest. But there's no real rest here. It's just, it's just you know what it is? It's eight hours of God miraculously healing all the damages that have been done to muscles and cells and all that kind of stuff. I mean, have you ever felt going to bed feeling like I'm not going to wake up in the morning? You wake up in the morning and feel like a new person. Isn't that a miraculous thing? But we're not looking for that type of rest. Arise for, this is no place to rest because of what? Sin. That destroys with a grievous destruction. Plus, this place is going up in flames. Ephesians 2.6, this is Donna's verse. And raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavenly places. That's where we want our home to be. All right, so what will it, what will it, what will that are we ready look like? And I'm closing. If y'all need to wake up right now, okay? This is closing. Listen carefully. There will always be those in the church who have heard the gospel presentation, have responded, that may even love Jesus, but they're not born again. They're not a new man. They don't have a new path. And they're not looking for a new home. There'll always be those. So considering that, so today, are you ready? Are we ready? What does it look like? Well, let me tell you what it looks like. I love this, this analogy. Probably nobody else can see it. 
I'm not even sure that Jeannie can see it. Somebody said this, it's not me. But I'm a proof of it. You will be an exact opposite of what you were. And let me tell you what that were was. It was all about me. There there can't be anything more opposite than it being all about me to now I have multiples that it's all about. God, my wife, my kids, and you. That's opposite. Your life will be an absolute opposite. We're a new man or a new woman with a new heart and a new spirit. Two. We've been born again. We have been made alive. We have been washed. We have been justified. And we are being sanctified. We have put on the righteousness of God. We were at one time far from God. But now we have been brought near. We have a new path. We were at one time falling with the way of the world. We were on that wide path that the devil is leading his down. That path that most are on. That easy path that gratifies the flesh and gratifies self. That's who I was. But now we're on the path of righteousness and holiness and obedience. Did you hear that? Righteousness and holiness and obedience. It's a different path. And we have a new home. This is not our home. Our permanent home is not here. We have another home. This is not our home. We don't, listen, if this is not our home, y'all ready for this? This is real mind-boggling. If this is not our home, we ought not act like it's our home. Y'all know what I'm talking about? If you've got a house, and you've got a farm, and you've got a cabin somewhere, I promise you one of them's going to get my one more priority than the other one. They can't all get priorities. But all of those are going to be burned up. Our priority is, should be on our permanent home. <clears throat> we have another home. Somebody say amen. Our permanent home in which we're storing up provisions for eternity. You know, everything you do for the kingdom of God, everything you do for the kingdom of God, if you get to heaven and need it, it'll be there. That's where where we're storing our treasures, not on this earth. I I can tell you that 401k, that... uh, God's going to help you folks. You that's going to get that severance package from Husqvarna, okay, that's all going to be gone. That 401k may never see it. That Social Security you've been hoping for, you may never see it. But everything you're sending up there, it'll be there. Okay, don't, don't think about him being like the IRS or Social Security or Husqvarna or whoever that may be the case. Whatever you've stored up in his kingdom, it'll be there. So this morning, I'm not asking you if you're a good person. I'm not asking you about the good things you've done. I'm not asking you if you believe in God. I'm not asking you if you believe in Jesus' second coming. By now, you would have already quit coming around if you didn't believe in His second coming. I mean, we probably got that one took care of. I'm asking you, have you been born again? Are you a new man or a new woman? I'm asking you. 
Has there been a radical change in your life? Are you on a new path? Are you living for Jesus now? Are you striving to live a life of righteousness, holiness, godliness, and obedience? For example, here's a good one. It's a simple little verse. If you love me, you will... If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Do do you even know his commandments? Do you have the least concern about keeping them? I'm just asking you point blank. Is there any evidence that you have a new life, a new path, and a new home? You're glad. I'm glad that I don't have to make that determination for you. But you know. You know if you have a if you're a new person, if you have a new path, if you have a new home. You know that. Now listen, let me tell you this. You have a new home, and let me tell you the good news. If you are born again. If you are a new man or a new woman, if you're on a new path, i got a great word for you. Somebody special is preparing your permanent home. What? It says it in John 14, 1 through 3. I am the way and the truth and the life. Let your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many many rooms. If it were not so... Would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? That ought to be a hallelujah, praise the Lord. And look, I will come again and will take you to myself, that where I am you may be also. Christ is getting your home ready. And when he's got it exactly like he wants it for you, he's coming to get you. Last scripture, 2 Corinthians 6, 2. For he says, in a favorable time I listened to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Uh, I'll pick on Axel. By the providence of God, by nothing other than the providence of God, Axel Marquez is in this church this day when this sermon is being preached. From Japan, from Japan. Nobody knew he was coming except his uncle. He could have missed the flight. He could have done this or that. But he's here. So are you. And today may be your very day of salvation. Now, of course, this is not mine. I don't, it's in an old book, so it's probably old. The devil was meeting with three of his apprentices. The devil asked him, what were their plans to go and deceive the world? The first one said, I'll tell them there's no God. And the devil said, that won't fool very many at all. They see his creation. The second apprentice said, I'll tell them there's no hell. The devil said, that won't fool many. They've heard enough about the Bible to know that there's a hell. The third one said, you listening young people? I'll tell them that they don't have to be in any hurry to believe in Jesus. Here's what the devil said. That's it. Go and tell that you may be the ruin of many. The gospel. Repent and believe the gospel. What's the gospel? Two-sided. The bad news, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. The good news is 
Jesus Christ has come to be that Savior. Secondly, repent and believe the gospel. So I've given you the gospel. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Jesus Christ is that Savior. If you, if you can say that and you know that, if you know that in your heart, you believe the gospel. If you know it in your heart. I mean, if, if you're absolutely sure of that, you understand the gospel. But the other half of Mark 1, 14 and 15, the half that preachers for the last 200 years has left out is repent and believe the gospel. Repent. Just like salvation is two-part, bad news, good news, so is repentance. Repentance. If you are saved, if you truly believe that He is the Savior, you have stopped going your way. Now your purpose every morning is to go His way. Repent. Change the direction. A new, listen to me. A new person is not going to be satisfied on the wide path. So he is going to logically and with a desire... Get off that wide path and get on the narrow path of following Jesus. Amen? Repent. Repent. You have got to hate and kill out those sins that are ruining your life and kill Jesus. Repent. I change your direction and there's sins that we must kill out in our life. And let me tell you, I'm 72 He's not quit bringing to my attention yet the ones i got to kill out. Repentance. You do it the first time, one time the first time, let me tell you, it is who you are the rest of your life. Repenters. Followers of Jesus. I pray that today, dear Lord, that there would be one that would give up on themselves Give up on their goodness. Give up on what they've done. Turn to the Lord Jesus Christ in repentance and to faith, faith, place their faith, trust, hope, confidence for salvation, justification, and sanctification in other, none other than the Lord. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And it's in Jesus' name that we do. Amen.